You are listening to Coding Blocks, Episode 3. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and more using your favorite podcasting app. And be sure to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you happen to have found us. And uh, also, don't forget to check us out at codingblocks.net where you can find show notes, examples, discussion, and much more. Send us your feedback, question, and rants to comments at codingblocks.net. And with that, welcome to Coding Blocks. I'm Michael Outlaw. I'm Alan Underwood. And I'm Joe Zach. And we've gathered around the proverbial water cooler to discuss source control today. That's right. In today's episode, we're going to step away from the keyboard and take our propeller hats off and stay out of the weeds, if possible. (laughs) (laughs) And without further ado, I want to start off with a story. All right. So there was a situation where uh, another person wanted to commit some stuff that they were working on, and they were convinced that their stuff was fine, it was all good, but there was a compile error. They couldn't compile. And this person was adamant on committing the code and pushing it into the main repository because it was not their problem and whatever. And I, and I, and I was taking the stance that no, 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 no. Even if it wasn't, uh, you know, any fault of yours, you've now found it. It's your responsibility. You, you, you should do the honorable thing and, and correct it. You shouldn't knowingly, uh, commit it if it, if you know that there's a problem there. And we went back and forth on it until finally, lo and behold, we found out, oh, it did turn out to be a problem that was newly introduced and got fixed beforehand. So it you know, reluctantly, the compile error was fixed and prior to the commit was being pushed into the main repository. But it it brought me into this you know greater uh, concept here, whereas you know, the moral of the story being you should not knowingly commit broken code so let me get this straight so we've got maybe the the build wasn't working when uh they got started but how you know how do you test your code if you can't compile it yes and that is a very valid valid question that i you know that's a whole other ball right yeah it's beside (laughs) the point testing testing i feel like should be a a different conversation here we're talking about source control i don't know if you heard the intro all right 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 (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, and and just to be clear on that, though, there's a couple things that could go wrong, right? He commits that code. He goes into the master repository. Now, everybody who checks out is going to get that broken code. But even worse than that, people that have continuous integration things that are running behind the scenes, it would have gotten that code out of there. It would have built it. It would have stuck it out on a dev server and everybody would have been well, down. Like there's so many things that can go wrong. Yeah, so 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 there's actually two things there. There's one is just uh, my personal thing is I don't know I don't like to knowingly commit code even locally that I know is broken, right? That that just seems like a bad workflow to me because eventually that commit, you know, might make it up and then if anybody wanted to check that commit out as a point in time of hey, let me see what was happening from here, it's broken and it won't compile and they might not know uh, is it something that they did or is it the state of the code at that time? But then there's also the concept of especially don't push that broken commit <laughs> up to the main repository. That's, right. That's that's like all kinds of negative no. Right. And I mean, to, to go back on what you said about uh, actually having a bunch of developers get that and wondering if they did it. You're talking about hours and hours of lost time, right? And and there's nothing more frustrating than chasing your tail on something, thinking that you screwed something up, 
only to find out. Well, yeah, because I picture the story could happen like you know it, it it's a year later. Yeah. Or or you know some some time some serious time has gone by, and you're like, well, we used to have this concept. Let me go back and check it. Oh, here's the commit. I think this was around the time I remember that we were doing it. Let me just check out this particular ID, and oh, it doesn't build. What did I do wrong? Right. You know what though? I gotta admit, I do this all the time. <laughs> 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 Especially when I'm working on my own projects. Like I cannot go to bed until I'm committed. And sometimes it is the my project is tore up. And uh, I just kind of, you know, I put in a comment that's a really bad comment, something like almost working. And uh <laughs> now, now see, this is where I think in that scenario, that would be uh where you would do something like a stash or a shelve. Uh, command for me personally uh no no i i take a different approach like we got the two ocd guys here (laughs) that have to commit stuff i leave that on my system and i don't commit it until i'm done the next day well okay but okay but let me give you a scenario where that will not work though right let's say that i'm working on something it's incomplete regardless of whether or not that the the unit of work is compiling or not it's just in some kind of an incomplete state right. and I'm not ready to commit it. And then lo and behold, somebody walks up and they're like, Oh my God, we got this big sev one problem. Well, I need you to look at it right now. I have to switch okay. a branch, right. right? Right. I'm not ready to commit what I've got, and but I don't want to lose that either. So I want to just save that. So, so like if you're in Git, you know, you could stash it. If you're in mercurial, you could shelve it. But my point is, is like as my personal workflow uh, I don't like to knowingly commit something if I know that it's broken. No, correct. But those are two different scenarios, right? Like he's talking about, he's up working on his own project late at night. And then he's like, I have to commit this because I have to, because I won't sleep but, well at night until I do it. Well, did I misunderstand in the scenario you're describing? You were describing it was broken though, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's broken, yeah. but, but he doesn't have to commit it. He's not working on anything else. This is his own personal project. He just literally cannot sleep well at night unless he's done something to to save this into his repository. Well, I got another situation too. So this is the same same kind of thing, but I'm upstairs typing away. And I'm getting pretty close. I can feel it, but you know, it's it's not compiling. It's certainly not working. And then uh, you know, the uh, the hour hits that I know the voice is on. Right now, I gotta watch the voice of my wife, <laughs> but I don't want to stop working. So I I save, commit, push, and then run downstairs to my laptop to keep working. You know, I'll while uh, well, checking out my man Silo. But uh, you know, uh, you checking no, out the, the extra Christina. Come on, let's be honest. Okay, uh, so it yeah. sounds like you're suggesting you use your repository for your at least for your personal use as a distributed file system. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yeah, but uh, although a lot of my stuff is actually in uh, in Dropbox as well, so I really don't have much of an excuse. It's just a bad habit I've gotten into with my personal stuff. Uh, I'm not as bad about it on work, but man, I my if you look at Colorblind, you're going to see a lot of uh, almost workings in there. <laughs> And I know it's bad, but it feels so right. So maybe yeah. that's fine right now while you're the sole developer on it. But if it ever got to where you had multiple people working on the thing, obviously that would be a bad idea, right? It because is. now you're going to have people pulling down code that straight up doesn't work. Yeah, but, but, but again, going back to the example that I gave, like even if it, even if you are the only developer on there and you have commits in there that are broken, and let's say that Joe a month later wants to go back to something. Yeah, it's horrible. And from the commit, maybe the commit... Uh, message and description wasn't clear enough that hey this one's broken 
it might not be obvious from the get-go if you were to go back to that specific commit that, oh, yeah, this is not compiling because there's something there. Well, the, That's why like I like the workflow where like you shouldn't knowingly commit something. If, if you know it's broken, don't commit it. Stash it so that you can come back to it later, but... I say you don't even stash. I say you don't even stash unless you have the use case come up exactly like what you said to where you now need to switch branches because you're working on a different problem. You don't even stash. You have it on your local file system. I mean, in both of our scenarios, though, you needed to get away from it, though. I mean, the only difference in the stash versus uh, his push scenario is that on the second computer, you can't get to it right. in the stash And scenario. that's what I'm saying. There's no reason to even stash it unless you need to switch branches, leave the code on your computer. There's no reason to do anything with it until you come back to it and finish it or have to switch to another branch. Well, another computer. Yeah, that's where that's where oh, his push okay. comes in. On the local. And I was okay. only suggesting the stash if you needed to to say if you needed to save that state for some reason. Okay, okay. And and the example was, you know, if you had to go fix a seven one, but you know, um <laughs> yeah, I think you just need to come with a better fossil <laughs> I know I'm doing it wrong, but man, it's so convenient. But and to me it's not saved until it's committed. <laughs> And usually even pushed. I, I just can't. I can't do it. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting about that? I at one of my previous gigs, we actually had a decree, and this was partially due to the fact that we were using an old version of Visual Source Safe, which, if anybody huh. is familiar with it, oh. concurrency was just it, it was basically it was it was the library model. It was, was how I referred horrible. to horrible. Yeah, you couldn't take. If I something, checked out the book. Nobody you else could get touch the book. It. Exactly. So there was no concurrency. So literally, there was a decree that every day at the end of the day, you checked in your code, regardless yeah. of what state it was in. So you literally don't check, even wait that late. <laughs> you just check it in every check it out every check five it, minutes. Check it back in when you're done with that file. But I mean, that literally turned into a you know people were pushing in broken code all the time simply because. Concurrency was horrible. Now, granted, with Subversion, Git, Mercurial, all these other solutions nowadays, that really should not be a problem. Well, okay, so I think we like hit on another topic, though, as far as my personal uh, workflows go that, um, that, that Joe kind of hit on, is that I won't even push to uh, you know um, the main repository until I know that, that uh, whatever that branch is that I'm working on, whatever that... that, that entire unit of work is supposed to be i don't um push it up until I'm, I'm done with it i might have multiple commits locally but i i don't even bother to push it up until i'm ready for it to be um you know consumed by the public the does that on, make sense yeah the only time i end up doing that and this is usually when you have pressure like people are wanting to see stuff happening you know that's about the only time that I, you'll that I do exactly what you're saying. I'll do in an in intermittent push if somebody says, "Hey, I want to see the code. I want to be able to look at what's going on because yeah. maybe they're working on something in conjunction with me." Like there's been situations where all three of us are working on things and and you know, you need something that I'm working on, so I'll push it up to the server yeah, so that, that you can grab it. Yeah, that's a good it. point. That's But for the most part, I agree. Like I typically try not to push code that's not in its pretty much final state minus any kind of bugs that come up, right? So, um, I don't know. I, I think that also kind of the begs the whole, you know, what is the workflow that we typically do? Like, I'm a big fan. Like, I may not always be the KISS simple or the KISS methodology, keep it simple, stupid. But I know with source control, I try to keep it as vanilla as possible. Like, I'm doing clones and pulls 
and I'm branching, I'm making changes, and then I'm doing pushes, right? Like I, That's like 2% of the uh, Git commands right there. I know, and that's the thing. Like the, the Git especially is insane. Like there's 5,000 commands you can do, and there's like man pages that are longer than dictionaries. <laughs> like it's... It, They're all full of awesome. <laughs> and there's a switch for that. <laughs> but, and by the way, that switch can be used on multiple commands. Just oh, yeah. to make things a little bit you know, uppercase easier. and lowercase versions, you know. Yeah, I'll pass. <laughs> if you want to do an FF only, you could use it on multiple commands. Yeah, see, this is ridiculous. Well, speaking of uh, commands, so Visual Source Safe was—I'm uh, sure there's a way to script it, but it's pretty much a UI program. That's how people interact with it. But um, you know, from pretty much like CVS, SVN, Git, uh, Mercurial. Uh, those are typically console based, and there are UIs for them. But uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? I'm I'm kind of a console guy, but um, dude, I'm command line all the way. Yeah, so I'm I'm the uh, I'm the man in the middle here because I absolutely I use the console for doing the ads, the commits, and all that kind of stuff. But you will not catch me diffing files on the console. I cannot I stand it. I think it's horrible. I, I do not like it. Like, I basically... I, <laughs> I feel like uh, we got some green eggs and ham coming. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. You don't like it on a train? No, I don't like it on a train. I don't like it on a plane. <laughs> no, seriously. So, I, I mix them. So so I understand where, like, that... There, okay, so there are some great UIs out there. I, I won't, you know, deny that. For me, though, I, I like to stay in the practice of using the command line because um, from one environment to the next, you know, maybe I'm on a Linux environment and I'm using Git and that same, uh, you know, maybe some Visual Studio plugin, you know, might not, is obviously not going to be available. So I, I like to, I like to stay on top of the command line options just to stay sharp on it, you know, mm-hmm. so, so that it doesn't get forgotten. So what if you're working with someone who's a little less technical? Do you recommend that they use the command line? Uh, actually, I have. <laughs> That's a great question. I have because I, I, I think that you. I, nah, uh, uh-uh. I have, but but I'm saying like I've done it though. I have, I have recommended to people. Uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll walk them through in the beginning. You know, using the command line, but I think that there's something to be gained from that personally. Do so you think yeah. they understand it more if they use yeah. the command line? What's well, really happening? It depends, right? Like, I mean. Yeah. There's less things hidden from you. There, there's, there, completely. I mean, all the GUIs are are wrappers for the console ever, pretty much in any kind of source control, well, right? And a lot of times, yeah, a lot, there's there's some GUIs out there. There, all they're doing is executing, you know, five different commands that you would have row. done on right. your own. And but if there's uh in that chain of commands, if there's a problem, they might not handle it the way you would have wanted to handle it, and that's why. I think it's better to just stay command line. Not, and that's my own personal preference. So. That one's that one's tough to me because being that, like I said, I use both. But all my commits, all my pulls, all my pushes, all that kind of stuff, the cloning, that's all done at the command line. So really, the meat of what I'm doing is at the command line. When I'm trying to diff files to see what was different before I push them up, though, I'm using something like KDIF3 or, or some other tool that is available through visual studio or whatever else I'm using simply because I like to look at the differences side by side because I don't like looking at them in the console. I don't like having a page down and go back up and down. I, I want to be able to scroll in a window. Right. So uh, it's you can hard to scroll through the command line too. Yeah. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. <laughs> this is more. 
I see. I've never even handled. Well, I wasn't even thinking of that. I was actually thinking about where you can uh, diff through your commits. I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, right. no, you're good. Um, yeah, it, sorry. yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't like it. But the one thing I will say is, it's almost hard for me to recommend a GUI because I don't use them that much, except for diffing files. So, so I mean, I would have to go learn the GUI. Yeah, and that's that's the reason why. So when you ask me, do I tell somebody to use the command line? Yeah, I'm that I'm that guy that's actually recommending command line because, as you mentioned, I don't really have a good one that I would want to recommend that I've got enough exposure to and used to. Right. But then that's because I try to practice, you know, the command line options so that it's multi-platform. But if you're truly trying to keep it simple, stupid, if you're trying to kiss it, then uh, maybe the UI isn't so bad for some people. Yeah. As long as they have, uh, you know, Michael Outlaw to call on it if there's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, Outlaw knows every obscure I, command I, on I've the planet. I've got my share of calls. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's When so, merges go bad. But how do you do merge conflicts on the command line? Like, that's got to be disgusting. I've never even tried it. Like, I don't even want to know. Uh, well, okay, so... Um, so back when it's been a while since I've used Mercurial, but I did have, uh, you know, that one did bring up uh, a, di- a GUI diff uh, for you that was really nice where you could select, you know, and it, it would show you like a, a present an A, B, and C kind of option and you could right. select through that. And that was nice in, uh, at least in the way that I'm currently using Git. It's all, uh, you know, I'll see the, so if it's a, for example, a merge conflict, I'll see the files that are have the errors, and then I'll just go and open them up separately in a in an error editor of choice. Whether okay. it's you know if you really wanted to vi it, or if you wanted to use a notepad or whatever. So you have to handle all those like less than's that they throw in the files. Like you've got to clean all that garbage up. See, and that's why I like using the GUIs, right? Because like KDIF, which is available on Linux, available on Windows, available on every platform on the planet. Um, when that thing opens up, it gives you that choose A, B, or C, mm-hmm. and then it'll bring those together. And then you don't have to worry about cleaning up all the files behind the scenes, right? And deleting the files out that it created that with the merges. And I don't know. It just, it's just so dirty. Yeah. I, I've just gotten used to it, I guess. And I've, I've never used TFS, but I've always wondered, um, you know, if that's more of a, a GUI heavy or if maybe the GUI makes more sense than it does for something like Git or Mercurial. I don't know if anyone's out there uh, using it. You should let us know. Yeah, because I mean, from what we've seen of TFS, it looks like it's you know Microsoft's version of like almost a subversion, right? I mean, it's a central repository. Uh, which, by the way, um, I don't know if we we haven't even really touched on that. I mean, you had the old school stuff that was central repositories. You have the the new school stuff that's like you know the distributed repositories. Every- <laughs> everyone's a repository yeah exactly your gets your mercuri- mercurials um but i've yet to work somewhere that doesn't treat it as a central repository yeah well true. yeah i mean it, 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 there was even a conversation today that came up that was similar to that and i kind of chuckled yeah it's kind of funny so we're distributed and we all have our own copies but really there's one authoritative copy that we all use but man is it so much faster than what subversion was i mean seriously it in I guess at the end of the day, though, like Subversion was always pinging back to the server, right? Always checking. Whereas Git kind of leaves it alone. Yeah. Yep. I mean, until you do that uh, pull or push. Yeah. So I don't know. You're, you're kind of left alone to your own devices there. But um, yeah, I like distributed. I, I, since I've switched to it, I mean, it's always a pain going from one source control system to another. 
But since we've moved over to Git, I love it. Yeah, there's no going back for me. And plus, a GitHub is so nice, and it's so um, it's like it's the place to go to to host your code. So, you know, it's hard to be a coder now nowadays and not be familiar with Git. Yeah, I from my point of view, um, is it has been a couple years since I used Mercurial, but I will say that I I do recall like I loved their command set. Like the commands just made sense. Like, oh yeah. What, like I, but the thing is, is that. It's been stocks that I've used it. I don't remember the commands anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just remember that like they made sense what they did, you know, that, that the names of the commands, like it just seemed a little bit more intuitive. Yeah. Even than, the install uh, is just a couple double clicks. It, you know, it just works really well on, on windows. You don't have that. Whenever you install Git on windows, you've got that weird kind of question. Do you want to modify your, your, uh, your path? Do you want to, there's like three options and, and yeah. each one sounds more confusing than the last well, that and there's like a whole slew of different options too. I mean, uh, you know, so I know that as far as like which tool I use compared to anyone else, I'm a Sigwin fan. Right. So I use Git, uh, uh, Git through Sigwin. So I definitely have path issues there because my path is on a Windows machine as user bin Git. Right. <laughs> and that's not going to work out too well. Right. Yeah. I, I mean... At the end of the day, though, Mercurial is basically only for .NET stuff, right? Like, or was that what it was generated for? Or no, no, no. I think no. it's just you know I don't know why, but it was written in Python, and it just seems to me to be just so much more polished than Git. Uh, it doesn't have all the flags, it doesn't have all the bells and whistles, but it just seems to flow. It's like the commands are named what you think they'd be named. Yeah, it, the, the commands are way more intuitive. But it, and if I remember right, it was like literally started. Uh, I think it started a few days before Git, right? Like the first uh, oh, I don't know. development on it, if I remember right, the history huh. of it. Like the, the history of those two are, timeline-wise, they were really close together to one another. Um, yeah, so there's a little bit of trivia. Cool. Yeah. Well, speaking of new repositories you know, and, and the rise of GitHub and its takeover, when you're committing to a new repository for the first time, this is really big in, in open source. If you see a project that you like and, and you want to add something to it, um, just want to mention a couple of things that uh, you should try to keep your names and style consistent, even if the current repository is totally wrong. And uh, I know that can be tough, you know, sometimes if they're using, you know, spaces instead of tabs or whatever, just, just consistency is more important in my opinion than being right. Yeah. I mean, especially if it's not yours, right? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's really it's really not yours. You don't go in and rearrange somebody else's house when you go over. No. <laughs> I mean, well, there's that one. <laughs> that reminds me of a story I heard, uh, and I wasn't able to confirm it, but um, back when um, GitHub was first getting popular, people would write bots that would go out and auto-format other people's repositories. So they would fork the repository, auto-format, and then send a pull request, which... <laughs> Give me kind of rude to, to wake up and see that someone sent you a pull request for, uh, you know, converting your tabs to spaces or renaming your variables, or whatever, just like cleanup type stuff. You know, it's a little offensive, but it's also kind of funny. <laughs> just don't do it to us. <laughs> it will be denied. Oh, wait, you just brought up something else we didn't touch on. So like one of the big things of source control is, is pull requests, right? Oh, right. Um, I mean, that's probably... I don't know how many people have dealt with it, but uh, 
it's beautiful. It's like code reviews before you actually commit things, right? Fully commit things. and Or merge them in, rather. Yeah. Or merge them. Yeah, not commit before yeah, they get way, merged. It's a way of uh, bringing more process into your your organization, right? Yeah, I've, I've never tried to submit a fix for anything that was on Subversion, but I can't even imagine what you do. I guess you just kind of take the files that you modified and you email it to the person like, hey, what do you think of this? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing because I'd worked in uh, Visual Source Safe and Subversion for years, and there was no such thing. Yeah. Like, you committed your stuff, and, you know, it was basically, hey, you know, the heck with what you guys have. <laughs> Mine's going in there. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but with, like, Git now, you can literally say, hey, I want to push these all into this branch. Hey, somebody take a look at this. Make sure I didn't do anything completely crazy. And it, it's beautiful, especially for companies that, that don't have a lot of time to do real code reviews. To where, you know, hey, I got this thing we want to release and then everybody sit down and do it. This is like almost, you know, uh, a check that's easy to do because it's kind of built into the system to say, hey, take a look at these, quickly, briefly go over them, diff them, and then bam. So what I really like is that you can write up a nice description and GitHub actually submit uh, accepts GIFs now so you can put like images and moving pictures inside your pull requests but it kind of minimizes all those little uh those little dinky commits that people may not be interested in especially when the commits something like almost working (laughs) (laughs) which we've already established (laughs) yeah and uh speaking of other um of bad practices wanted to ask a couple questions and, and see what you guys thought about some some issues in source control etiquette so, what do you guys do with your branches after they're merged? Uh. <laughs> yeah. All right. So about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm scared to delete them. <laughs> I'm I'm bad about leaving them. Yeah, we can all uh, fess up to that. But but didn't like we had a discussion not too long ago about the fact that even if you delete the branch, the commit history is still yeah you're in. not changing the commit history at all so you can kill well, it at off. least let's uh, we're speaking specifically about git just right get clear yeah yeah but yeah you're not changing the commit history you're just getting rid of the branch i i'm bad about leaving the branch there and i know that um <laughs> and well i think because because part of it is is that you don't always know when it got fully merged in like like uh, well, well, I'm sure you have a command line thing. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> no, there's totally. But my 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 point though is that that uh, you know, you make your commit, you push that into the master repository, you create your pull request, and then you move on to the next the next thing, right? Right. And it might be uh, you know, there might be several days before your peers have a chance to do a peer review on it and and approve that pull request. You know, under special circumstances, there might even be a delay before that pull request, even after it has been approved, gets merged into master. So uh, sometimes it's just, you know, laziness on my part for not going back and, and, oh, yeah, now it has been merged in. I can safely delete the branch from both my local repository and yeah, from the master. And I've actually reverted (laughs) merges also, which is terrible. Don't do it if you can avoid it. (laughs) But it's possible. But uh, what's weird, I've been looking at automatically deleting all branches that have been merged in, and I did it on my local computer, and nothing exploded. It was fine. <laughs> but uh, what's weird about that is I'm deleting other people's branches. Yep. 
And so how do I really know that they're done with that branch? Do I want to do that on the remote server or, you know, what happens if I'm working on a big team? So if you were to push all those, it would actually push and delete those from the remote, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I like that. Yeah. I mean, you'd actually have to go through and look through the branch history to see which ones have been merged in and not. Right. Yeah. But that wouldn't tell you that they're done. Right. And I've I've got a command that will only delete the, um, the merged ones. But it's still, it's just kind of weird. Well, like you said, you could still be working on that branch. You could have merged it in, continued working on it, and be ready it to do another like merge. It might be iteration two yeah, of yeah. the feature. Yeah, so that's... Yeah, that's... Hmm. Uh, Not the end of the world, but, you know. Yeah, typically, you don't want to delete anybody else's branch, I don't think. Well, have you guys ever lost a branch? So I guess I guess oh, I, yeah. one takeaway from this is I need to get better at deleting my branches is what we're getting at. Yeah, I mean, I try to delete mine, but it's but it's kind of like when your room gets too dirty. It's like, man, if I just cleaned it up a week ago, it would have been so easy. Now I'm just not going to screw with it. Right. right. Uh, well, uh, I've definitely lost branches. And, and one way for me to do that easily is uh, I'll commit something locally. And, you know, once I hit commit, I feel like it's truly saved. But for some reason, uh, I'm, maybe it's the old subversion mindset. Like I think when it's committed, it's like really safe. And then I go and reformat my computer, <laughs> and then I go to merge it a day oh, later. Yeah. I'm like, oh crap! Uh, so you didn't push it up to the repository, right? Ah, uh, yeah. So you really do use commit like a save. <laughs> like when you're closing that word document, your commit is your save. Uh, yeah, I just I feel like I'm <laughs> I'm just risking everything if I don't, it's even ridiculous. though it's on your local computer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> so so you're trying to you're bringing this one up to support your use case of pushing it to the remote uh, i've done it <laughs> i'm not proud <laughs> but but in fairness how many people format their computer <laughs> doing oh man i've done it <laughs> i've reformed three computers in the last month holy crap wow different <laughs> computers yeah. keeps you honest i don't know i i as far as me specifically having lost a branch, I don't format my computers that often. I, I, I'm one of those that if, if there's a problem on the particular operating system, I will really try to get to the root of what the problem is before I like rebuilding the computer is the absolute last thing. Yeah. There goes a Saturday, right? Oh, I'm getting good at it now. I got a list. (laughs) Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. I mean, I guess like back in the early days though, like it really, like I I took it as a, as a a learning lesson, right? To, you know, to better understand things and, you know, rather than just taking the easy way out. Well, all three of mine have been different, different operating systems. So I just don't really mind. You know, I'll watch a movie and uh, get my computer back up, uh, try something new. Yeah, I mean, I I had the worst one I had recently was well, we're getting specific, but it was uh, you know, I had I had a a corrupt OS ten install, and I think I left that thing going for probably a good six months to a year trying to get to the root problem. <laughs> oh wow! It might have even gone on for a year and a half. I could not, for the life of me, find out what the root problem was, and it was so scattered. Well, that reminds me of my next question. How do you guys feel about foul language in commits? It's happened <laughs> at times. Um, don't recommend it. Yeah. I mean, you don't know who's coming behind you. I mean, God could be in the code right after you, so you could be really in trouble. Yeah, even with my Tourette's, I don't think I've actually <laughs> taken the time to write it down, though. Yeah. I, I'm sure that someone's written some sort of bot that goes through GitHub looking at uh, commits with the bad words in it. Um, that seems like kind of something fun to do. 
But uh, yeah, I try not to do it because I learned a lesson a long time ago. You should keep the bad words <laughs> where so where no one can see them. Wait, how did that happen? What, I really want to hear this story. Oh, it actually wasn't in source control. It just um, we had a a project that we were going to be demoing in a little while, and you know we were working late <laughs> nights, and uh, the South Park movie had just come out, and there was just you know bad stuff throughout this the site, and then uh, it got ended up getting shown to investors a little bit early, and there I mean there were videos auto played and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> something about someone's uncle yeah maybe. exactly might that have come in song. to it uh, so oops yeah lesson learned hmm. so have you guys ever uh amended your own commit to fix like a grammar or selling yes commit? what about somebody else's yes well i mean are we talking about specifically okay so so we're talking about the the, the message the description the message no, oh, the never. commit message? Never. Yeah. Oh, no, not just the message, but like if somebody misspells a variable name, I can't take it. Yeah. <laughs> I will modify that variable name. Well, yeah. I mean, that goes back to our other <laughs> topic about it should don't don't commit it if it's broken. I, I've so well, it worked. So the closest thing that I've done to this, and and it wasn't because of the 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 commit message or the commit description, um, you know, but. I have gone back and um, after making a commit, realized, oh, I wasn't quite ready to make that commit. And then I will undo that commit, finish or fix whatever I just found that was incomplete, and then redo the commit. Oh, I've yeah. done that. But no. not not fixing somebody's commit message, though. That's the... <laughs> yeah, maybe you don't have enough. That's, that's getting to a whole nother level of OCD <laughs> that is beyond... <laughs> I've never done mind. it either. Yeah, no, that's but but code actually, yeah. yeah. If somebody has bad grammar in their code, I can't take it. Yeah. Well, speaking of bad grammar and code, have you ever been in the middle of a bug fix <laughs> and uh, you see that misnamed variable being used somewhere throughout the file or files, and you just yeah, you don't want to stop what you're doing. <laughs> uh, you just go ahead and rename it, even though it's kind of unrelated. Yeah. When you commit it. So do I drink? now like or do i take a shot yeah never have i ever so yeah okay yeah i've totally uh, basically uh more than one thing in a in in a commit or a branch is what we're gonna i where where i've gone with that is um if i see something like that and it's bugging me i will fix it while i'm in let's say that branch that ticket you know while i'm working on that you know unit but i will do them as or try my best to do them as separate commits just so for my own peace of mind, if I needed to undo something, I don't want to muddy what the real purpose of me getting into that file was with me doing some OCD cleanup on whatever the file is. Yeah. I'm bad about that too, but, but ever since I started really using Git, I don't really even think too much about the commits, but I, I think about the pull requests. So all those little commits that happen in between, they just kind of get lost to me. And I just think about the, the kind of the bigger pull requests. So I, you know, I'm, I'm really bad about slipping stuff in there and then <laughs> feeling bad about it later. Well, I mean, just before we leave that, I mean, one of the good practices and this is, this is kind of what's suggested from many places is you want to commit a single piece of work, right? Like let's say that you're working in a branch and you've got 10 things that you're doing in this branch. When you go to commit, even though you might've touched 20 files, you really only want to commit three files that had to do with the one thing that you were completing. Right. And 
that's good practice. I don't know that we always do it because a lot of times you wait till you're done with a bunch of stuff and then just commit all the files at once, right? But there's this whole idea of committing a, a unit of work as opposed to the entire piece, right? So I don't know. That kind of goes to what you were talking about where you try and break up your grammatical fixes from what you're actually trying to work on. And that's kind of doing the unit of work. Whereas Joe said that he's basically thinking about the big picture when he's ready to push the whole freaking branch up and be like, hey, here it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely you know, had pull requests that, that afterwards I'm like, oh, I should probably feel guilty about that. <laughs> because uh, there's a lot there to review to see what <laughs> actually changed. Gigantor pull request, 73 um, files coming in. So, so but, what do you do? But the problem with that, though, is that and I'm sure like every developer on the planet would have a similar story. It's, it's difficult to make time to yeah. just go in and clean up your code. And even more difficult than it is to make that time, it's more difficult to convince your boss, hey, listen, uh, I'm going to stop all this productivity that we've got going on. <laughs> because if you see this file, that is really bothering me. I just want to take the time to clean that one up. And there's about a hundred more just like it that I also want to clean up. So I take the approach of... You know what? If I've got a bug or a feature that I'm adding in here and I'm already in the file and I see that improvements could be made, then it is my responsibility to make that improvement, right? right. It's kind of like the the Boy Scout motto, I guess, you know, like you know, if you see something, it's your responsibility to take care of it, to to make the world to make the place better than what you found it. Right. Right, oh. and that's the way I treat it. Hey, speaking of which, how many of you guys here have uh, had the same problem since we did that boxing unboxing thing to where you freaking look at all your code and you're like, oh, I can do this better now. <laughs> I, I could do this so much better. It's actually annoying now. It bothers me. Yeah, I keep wanting to add two strings to everything. <laughs> so. uh, I, I'm definitely uh, more aware of like when ReSharper is, uh, has, has like the little three green dots below some of them. Like, uh, this is a, it's not quite telling you that you should get rid of that it's a redundant call, but it's just letting you know that it's a it, it's a redundant call on a value type that is not so bad to leave. <laughs> right. Hey, back to his uh, gigantor pull requests there. Like I know I've put in pull requests that have like three hundred files being touched, and Joe's usually the recipient of those, and maybe outlaw <laughs> too. Like, what do you guys do? Do you actually go through all three hundred? What do I really do? Yeah, what do you really do? Oh. <laughs> or, oh. do or do you just browse to make sure it's not touching any of your code? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, oh. the greater question there being is, like, how do you peer review other people's code? When you have, okay, when it's 10 files, we can all agree that we probably go in and we actually take a look at all of them. When it starts getting 50 and above, like, we're all looking at it going, oh, my God, I got so many other things I need to do, right? Yeah, it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah, I deal with a lot of pull requests, and man, it's uh, it's exhausting. Yeah, when you're trying to code review that many files, I don't know that you can really give any series value other than just like gl looking through them for like obvious things. But right. uh, the context of what was being changed or what was happening there is going to get lost. So it's going to be really difficult yeah. to go through that that large of a change set. So the key is um, don't do gigantor pull requests, yeah. right? Like yeah, try and keep them pretty small. Now, actually, uh, I just um, got a book on code reviews. We'll put it in the show notes. I don't remember the name, but um, I'm hoping it's got some secrets in there for, for handling this. But right now I just try and probably do a bad job of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I guess I guess the proper workflow in that scenario to to that I was describing 
should be, you know, I'm already in the file. I see that there's a problem with it. Let me create my whatever the bug fix that I'm doing or the new feature that I'm adding and push that, you know, go ahead and create a pull request for that, but then create a separate branch as the cleanup branch and treat that completely separate from the bug or the new feature would honestly be a better way to do it. But yeah, oh. like I said, I'm, I'm guilty of, of not doing that. Maybe another good thing you could do is just grab the person who did the pull request and be like, all right, yeah, first file, what'd you do? Why'd right. you do it? All right. Yeah, it's actually not a bad thing. Yeah. So um, uh, I, I got a good one now. Do you guys commit generated files? Usually, no. Usually? Yeah. So the only the only thing that I can tell you that is different in that regard is um, being that we're typically in Visual Studio, we use NuGet packages. And we have or we're in the process of trying to get, you know, um, uh, a continuous integration thing up and running. It pulls things out of Git to do its builds. If those new Git packages are not in source control, then it doesn't have them to do its build. So I have pushed in the binaries for new Git packages so that when the continuous build is trying to do its run, that it can do that. But otherwise, no, like any of the bins or obs or anything like that. No, I don't. So uh, I have mixed feelings about this one. So if it's anything that I can create, mm-hmm. then no. Yeah, fair enough. If it is third-party DLLs, for example, and and maybe those are hard to come by, which is less and less every day, um, but you know, in some scenarios, then maybe I do want to have you know, a history of those, especially like if I get a new version. That's about the only scenario that I can think of where I've done it. So very specific needs, though. Yeah, because like if I have the source code and I can compile it myself, then no, right. there's no need for it, right? But yeah, in those scenarios where it's third party and it's difficult to get your hands on it, but uh, or even more, e- even more so, uh, maybe that third party they don't expose their version history to you, right? Then, you know, I like to have that for myself. What about the documentation that goes with that? Let's say that they give you a PDF or something. Is that something that you would put in there? Um, I would think probably yes, right? Yeah, I mean... uh, So usually if I have some sort of wiki or something set up, I'll put it there. But sometimes it's so nice to have a little folder with documentation just right there where you're at. And it's not no, it's not necessarily so much for source control. You're really kind of just using it as a repository at that point, right? Because you're not really thinking that it's going to change, unless like what what you said, Michael, where where you know the DLL changes, and then maybe they come out with new documentation. But I mean, it, I, I I'm definitely in the court. Like that's it, it. It is nice to know that you can go one place to find all your stuff. And anybody can go to that one place. It's not like you put it on your computer and in your own folder called, you know, documentation. That's all well and good, but nobody else can find it now. So I have used it in situations like that, but that's that's rare. I don't know. Yeah. Speaking of documentation, uh, how do you guys feel about readme files? Hmm. Uh, they're awesome. They're awesome, but uh, how often do you end up writing them? <laughs> Not often enough. It, well, okay. So, I mean, if we're talking about for a, every pull request, is that what we're talking about? Like, no, I just every, meant like roots of maybe projects. Or for your solutions. whole project? Yeah, for, for projects, sure. Probably necessary. I'd say I'd say in today's 
world, you should have one. If you're if you're putting anything out that anybody else is going to touch, it should be there. Now, the first thing I do on GitHub is uh, I create a readme file like it suggests, and then I leave it blank. <laughs> <laughs> but it's there that's there no I, I mean i've actually tried to put some meaningful stuff in there at the time or at least what i thought was meaningful at the time yeah i tried to on um, my bigger projects but it's it's a pain kind of i don't know what it is about um readme files and just even coming up with uh comments sometimes just the message for my commits are really tough it's like i'll know what i did but sometimes when, when, it, when it comes time to type it, i'm like oh fixed the bug <laughs> commit committed yeah. go back and look at the original ticket yeah and actually uh I, I don't know what i i only fixed what i was told to do <laughs> it brings us uh to the kind of the fun stuff um one of the things we found when we were researching this podcast was a, a website called what the com. that's http colon slash slash what the com, and that'll go in the show notes yep and uh, it's actually a, a comment generator, and uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, it, we all have our favorites. <laughs> if if you don't, by the way, it, just a word of caution: if you don't like foul language, this may not be the place to go. Hit refresh a hundred times because you're going to get a little bit of it. That's true. <laughs> blame Todd. Yeah, blame Todd. <laughs> I'm sure we've all seen commits like this. I'm hitting the site now, and I'm seeing comments like "just shoot me" or "this solves it." Um, some bad language <laughs> yeah probably one out of every three or four is gonna have a little bit of that yeah but uh, it's a fun little site and apparently coders are angry people at times um yeah hey, my favorite of the ones that i saw earlier after my 500 refreshes on the page was friday 5 p.m right <laughs> done <laughs> I really understand the intent of the author in that one. Yes, yes. I, I don't care what I did here, but it's getting committed because I'm going home. Uh, I, I don't even remember now the, the favorites that I had found. Uh, I mean, there was the one about Todd oh, committed, yeah. but there was another one, and I don't even remember uh, that I'd found earlier. There, there's some there's some comic gold on that site, though. <laughs> for, really uh, so, so some of my commits might be... Uh, a little bit more comical from now on. Yeah, I just saw one uh, one that I would do, uh, work in progress. Which <laughs> <laughs> should not have been a commit. Oh, I remember what, I remember what, the com- what my absolute favorite commit uh, message from what the commit was, was uh, don't push this commit. <laughs> <laughs> Hoping somebody would read that before hitting that merge button. I think my oh, favorite said something to the effect of, um, I don't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and speaking of that there's actually a website there's a tumblr called um epic pool requests.tumblr.com and uh you can actually it's got links to um to pull requests on, on github and other places that uh <laughs> just uh they're epic so you can actually submit your own there too but they're pretty funny um you know there's some chuck norris references in there <laughs> Um, some unit testing stuff, change all colors to hot pink. You know, some joke pull requests, which are, are funny unless you're getting them all the time, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. If, if you're the one managing all those uh, those approvals, you're probably hating life. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we also, uh, we already mentioned um, using GIFs in your pull requests, uh, which can be a good or bad thing. I've seen some pretty obnoxious GIFs. Oh, GIF. No, no, uh, no. All right. So for you listeners out there, we would love to hear from you. Do you say GIF or do you say GIF? 
Well, wasn't this debate just settled by the inventor of the stupid format? No, it shouldn't be. Like, I don't care what he expected it to be. Unless he agrees with you? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I always liked the, the mantra from a long time ago, like, choosy hackers, choose Jeff. Nice. Well, uh, well, if we can find that Earl, we'll throw it in the show notes. Oh, dear God. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot me now. <laughs> <laughs> is that my name is Earl? Oh. <laughs> All right. Wow. Maybe we've uh, we've definitely stayed out of the weeds. Yes. Yes. Completely. <laughs> oh man. Well, that's that's uh, pretty much it for the the fun stuff I wanted to mention. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. So so uh, some tips of the week. Then anybody got some go? I found I found my favorite tip so far, and I was when I saw this, I. I would dance it around the office. I had to share it with everybody. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> so, okay, here, here let me let me uh, first paint the picture for what this looks like. You're you have a scenario within Visual Studio. This is a Visual Studio specific tip. And uh, let's let's picture if you had two lines of of uh, text, and they're both using like the same namespace. For example, they're they're both in a system dot something. And maybe you already have a using statement up there and you want to remove the, the system part from those two lines, right? So in Visual Studio, if you press the Alt key and then drag the, a box around the word system in that scenario with your mouse, it'll draw, it'll draw a box and whatever you start typing or deleting happens across all of the lines at the same time. And it's it beautiful. is awesome it looks like magic because <laughs> outlaw so in that simple scenario where like i mentioned two lines you're like oh well, big deal i could just like delete those or in that scenario you could Change also say you know a refactor right. kind of scenario but it is awesome you know to be able to edit multiple lines of of code at the same time if you want to change the name of something or if you maybe Maybe you have the same variable, uh, well, you know, because you could refactor it. So an, I was going to say, like, maybe you have the same variable and you wanted to uh, append something to it, you know, to the name. You wanted to add something to the name. It's hard to come up with a, a real good scenario, but it doesn't even matter. Watching uh, it happen is, like, magical. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, this. the scenario has to be, though, that all of the lines that you're selecting, uh, that box that you're drawing around is something that you want all of those lines to do. Right. So, so you the can text even just delete it. Up. Yeah. I mean, even if it was as simple as just deleting, holding down that alt and blocking off a section and just deleting that whole area. Yeah. I, ever since I found that I, I've been using it for deletes. Like if I'm going in and cleaning up, there've been scenarios where like I'm cleaning up code and maybe a using statement wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And, and I added in a using statement so that I could get rid of these long namespaces. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, maybe that same namespace was referenced five times in a row with, for different variables. And I just want to remove the piece that I've added in a using for. And yeah, I mean, there's other tools to do that, but you know, that, that alt left click, that's gold. We'll, uh, we'll actually do a screencast on this so you can see what we're talking about. Cause it, it's, it's pretty cool. It's actually one of those features that's just fun to use. It's like going down a slide. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Great analogy. Um, so I guess then my tip of the week is uh, this is along the topic that we were talking about today with source control. 
um, one of the most popular applications that you can get for just about any source control provider out there is Tortoise. Um, there's a Tortoise for Git. There's a Tortoise for SVN. I think there's Tortoises for pretty much everything. For Mercurial. Okay. So, and here's the thing. Like, if you're brand new to source control, it's fantastic because you can just go into Windows Explorer and you can see what's changed. You can see green on your folder, meaning that everything's good. You can see a red indicating that there's been changes. It's fantastic. The problem is that is now because it's integrated in Windows Explorer, it's integrated into your system and it's integrated into your shell, which means that your computer is constantly having to pull and ping and update all these folders, all these images, all these icons on the folders to let you know that things have changed or they have not. And initially when you start out, if you're just on a small project, not a big deal. You've only got it on one or two folders. If you start getting into thousands of files, and I know this because it's happened to me years ago when I used to use this stuff a lot before I went command line, uh, your system will start bogging down. And because it's just constantly having to sweep through those directories looking for changes and comparing it to either what was previously there in the file history, or if you're using Subversion specifically, it's going back to the origin server. And if it's not on a close network share, then you're going to have latency between the drives coming back and forth. So my tip is, if you can, do what we mentioned earlier and get command line tools. Don't install something that is going to wrap itself into the shell yeah. of in, into the shell of your computer. And honestly, that's what drove me to learning the command lines behind it because I was perfectly fine with the GUI because I was like, you know what, it's Windows. There's a reason why people like Windows. It's because it's easy. But at the end of the day, if it comes down to my system performing poorly, like literally to where you'd open up Windows Explorer and sit there for 10 seconds waiting for it to even refresh the uh, the file list, you know, oh. it, it, it was horrible. So if you can, if you're using Git, if you're using Subversion, try and get the command line utilities and get some supplemental things that maybe just plug directly into an IDE as opposed to installing on your system. So that's my tip of the week. And and I do Even have... some of those IDE ones that are hit or miss sometimes. They can be, but they're not integrated into your system. So they're yeah. heavy while your IDE is open, and it might slow down your IDE a little bit. might be worth it depending on your level of expertise. But at least when you shut that down, it's not eating up your system resources. So, you know, my there there's mine. Yeah, I restart my IDE a lot more often on my computer. Yeah. So um, I wanted to mention um, there's a, a nice little JavaScript application called Learn Git Branching, and it's free. It's hosted actually on GitHub, and uh, I'll give you the URL in a second. URL. But uh, it's actually like a little game, and there's 16 levels where they give you like a picture of a, a branching scheme, and you it's up to you to type in the commands to, to make your graph match. And it actually sounds a lot harder than it is, but you just go to this page in your browser and uh, start click-clacking away, and uh, it does a really good job of teaching you about rebasing and branching and merging and all the all, all the cool stuff. Yeah. And uh, that URL is http colon slash slash pcotl, that's p-c-o-t-t-l-e dot github dot i-o slash learn git branching, and that'll be in the show notes. Yeah, and, and honestly, if you guys this is a fantastic tip that Joe's given because he actually passed this around when we were all learning Git and it it really does make it like a game. Like you get points if I remember, right? Like as you complete things, like you get points, like you complete things. Oh yeah. Yeah. When I finished the last level, I took a screenshot. I tweeted it. 
<laughs> that's a big deal. <laughs> so yeah, that one's fantastic. So um yeah, we'll uh, we'll be putting all these things up that we've discussed. We'll be putting them in the show notes, and again, you'll be able to find this at www.codingblocks.net slash episode three that'll be just episode with the number three and uh that'll take you straight there and you'll find this and everything else we've talked about in this episode we also tried something new with this episode so let us know what you think and uh hit us up at comments at codingblocks.net and if you want you can go directly to the episode page as well and leave comments there i mean if uh, if that's your thing so whatever's convenient for you yes absolutely we are we're easygoing guys so with that, uh, subscribe to us on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, and more using your favorite podcast app. Be sure to give us some reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. Visit us at codingblocks.net where you can find our show notes, examples, discussion, and more. And uh, as we said, send your feedback, questions, and rants to comments at codingblocks.net. <laughs>